and I'll write like little notes on my on my phone, like when something just pops into my head, like girl with weed whacker on neck. What's up, fool? That's my dog. Hey, that fool calmed down. And then I told that fool, I said, stalk yourself forever, ever. No, bro. Really sorry for saying bro. Hey, come on, it's fear mongering. I ain't no clown. It's all fake. I know what you're up to. All right, maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a fool. fool. <laughs> Hell yeah, Talk Full Radio. Hell yeah. What's up? This is Stephen Lee Clark. This is a new episode of Talk Full Radio. And uh, let me tell you something. A little bit of my heart is missing, right? I have an emptiness inside me, like more than normal, right? I kind of always have that dark black hole uh, in my chest. But today it's a little bit bigger because the red pill is not next to me. She's not sitting in my lap. She's a queen. I love her. It's my kitty and I miss her. But the reason that the red pill is not here with me, with us, is because I'm on tour. I'm in the middle of a fucking full U.S. tour. Uh, we're out with Carcass, who are amazing, really fucking nice guys. You guys know Carcass, legendary, blah, blah, blah. But I made some really cool buds uh, with Inner Arma, right? They're the third band on the tour, and they're amazing. They're really fucking good, uh, first of all. And second of all, they're cool-ass dudes. We've been hanging out. They're very funny. They're from Virginia. Um, very chill guys. Really like them. Already talked to them about getting them on here. It's going to happen. And that's what we do. I've always said uh, you only have to do, no matter what you do in, in, in life, right? You only have to do one thing, right? And that thing is make it happen, right? No matter what it is. So, yeah, we're going to make that happen. We're going to get them on here. And let me tell you something else. Made a couple really cool buds because we got a little bit of a new crew. And let me say we got my boy Edgar, he's a tour manager, uh, and we have this guy, little just fucking ball of light called Bill, right? He's our sound guy, and I love Bill. What's up, Bill? So so he's introduced as Billy, and I was like, man, what's up, Bill? Right? And then Bill became, one t- one, like he said something one day, and I was like, damn, fool, you got no chill, Bill. Oh, you're no chill, Bill, right? And then that turned into Netflix and Bill somehow. Oh, because we, you know, when we're in the van, like we alternate sleeping on the floor, and fucking Bill was like, "You want to go to the floor?" And I was like, "Damn, fool! I just met you. Damn, Netflix and Bill. Five minutes into Netflix and Bill, is fool trying to get me to lay on the floor. Whatever. Anyways, yeah. So I've been on tour. I bring my little travel kit with me. Uh, I'm coming to you today, tonight, from Poughkeepsie, right? Poughkeepsie, New York. Poughkeepsie. I read that on the thing and I was like, what the fuck? Where's where's Poughkeepsie? Anyways, Poughkeepsie. It's really beautiful. Beautiful trees. Let me tell you something. I fucking am absolutely in love with the Northeast. It's beautiful. I grew up, I think think we talked about this. I grew up watching football, never seen a fall before, never seen real winter. Grew up in the Bay and, and, and here it's just beautiful. Beautiful fucking red leaves, crimson, fucking light shining through, amazing white with snow, right? Because, like, even in New York, it's, like, pretty while it's snowing, but the second that shit hit the ground, it's fucking, like, mud, piss, and shit snow, right? And you got to walk through it, and it's fucking disgusting. But 
The snow is really beautiful. Uh, again, it's pretty torturous to my beautiful island blood. I'm not used to this, but driving through it is fucking, it's, it's beautiful. It's amazing. We were in Providence yesterday, which is where HP Lovecraft lived. And, and, and let me tell you about HP Lovecraft. That motherfucker changed my life, right? Because I read his shit. And, and not only is a good writer, he's a great writer. Uh, it was dark. And I was like, man, I fucking love dark shit. Right. And that was when I was like, fucking, I don't know, nine years old or something. I was like, this motherfucker's sick. Necronomicon. You should fuck with it. Uh, so what I've been, okay. This is what I've been up to, right? I've been on tour. You guys know that. But uh, I stopped partying, you know, a couple years ago. Don't drink. I know I'm a lame fool. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't do shit, right? I smoke a little bit of weed, but weed makes me fucking depressed, dude. It's like not like it used to be, right? So I don't really smoke that much. But so... So in turn, like now when I'm on tour, I'm just like, hey, I'm not fucked up. I'm not like feeling like shit from the night before. Like, let's go see something, right? And so there's been a place that I've always wanted to go, right? And this is how, this is how like serendipitous this whole situation is, right? I've always wanted to go here, right? So, so we were in Miami, right? And Ed, fucking Ed right, looked over at me, I was sitting in the van right next to him, and he was like, hey, we should go here, and he showed me this place on his phone, and my fucking head exploded, because I've always wanted to go there, it's called the Coral Castle, right, I don't know if you've heard of the Coral Castle, I've read about it for fucking years, right, and then I saw it on that show, Ancient Aliens, right, that documentary, that true life documentary, uh, Ancient Aliens, uh, the history documentary about the history of, of planet Earth. Anyways, um, so the reason, you know, how I'm into like a lot of crazy shit, right? Like the reason that I wanted to go to Coral Castle, okay, is because Coral Castle is a place where in around like the 30s, right, this guy named Edward Leeds, uh, I think that's short for like Leeds Skalnin, right? I looked it up. It's a crazy name. Anyways, uh, at the spot, they call him Edward Leeds, right? And it was this guy. He was like 5'2", like very – he was a he was an inventor, and he was like very handy guy, right? And he built these like theme parks, right? But so one day, he moved to like right outside of Miami, right? And this is in like the 30s, okay? And he – built mysteriously right he built this like it's he, it's called the theme park but it's just basically this fucking big ass like castle right and he the okay so the cool thing about this whole thing is he fucking built that right by himself okay so it's a huge mystery he said that he learned the uh, secret to how the pyramids were built, okay? And so to prove it, he was going to build this place called Coral Castle. And he worked at night, and he worked by himself, right? And it's, like, very secretive, right? And so nobody ever saw him, like, because oh, back then, also, like, where it is was in the middle of the woods, right? So he kind of, like, got this land that was, like, off the grid and started doing it, and then, like, the area started developing years and years and years later, okay? But... So he basically built this huge castle, courtyard, beautiful thing by himself, right? And he said that he did it using the technology that the Egyptians used to build the pyramids, right? The Egyptians used to build the pyramids, right? Um, and so 
It's a huge mystery how he did it. He uses, it, it's mind-blowing. You guys should look this up. Coral Castle. So he used huge, like gigantic, like fucking 10, 5, 10, 20 ton pieces of limestone, right? And he quarried them by himself. Nobody knows how he did this. And he stacked them into these gigantic formations. He carved them into like the planets, the moon, all this cool shit. It's like very representative of like the astrological sky. So it's really cool. It was really cool. And and they're giving me like this dude was giving me an editor. And the whole time I was just my mind was blown. It was like the mystery of it. See, and it also seems like the whole fact that this guy built this thing allegedly by himself was kind of forgotten, right? And the whole time I was like, yeah, but like like the dude would be like, this is the moon tower. It's fucking gigantic. And I'd be like, so allegedly he built this by himself and he'd be like yeah yeah and i was like dude how are we not how are there not scientists here right now like trying to figure this out and i asked him i was like where are all the people that are trying to un like you know unravel this fucking crazy mystery of how this dude did something that like nobody knows how and fucking like you know all the megalithic structures around the world that are built you know in fucking like thousands of years ago and nobody knows how like this is the most recent one so why the fuck aren't we trying to figure it out you know and he did say he was like there's always people here uh there's always people taking radiation samples with fucking geiger counters and shit and like fucking doing all this stuff they're do digs they find new stuff apparently all the time they found a new quarry that it, that like they couldn't they didn't find before anyways he said that, that people are trying to figure it out, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I didn't see them. I don't know. It's very sketchy to me because I was kind of like, damn, if I wasn't on tour, I would just stay here and try to figure this shit out myself, right? I have my own theory, okay? Uh, and I don't know if I should talk to it because certain, or, you know, I talk about it because certain people are listening, but, um, and well, fuck it. I think that it was all sound vibrations, man, because you've seen the thing where they aim speakers at a piece of glass that has sand on it or something and makes these like geometric shapes. Well, that is because of air pressure. So fucking the atoms in the atmosphere are vibrating at a certain like rate, whatever frequency you're hitting it with, right? And that changes the air pressure. So the sand fucking shoots to where there's less air pressure and it's pushed over there because there's more air pressure here, right? You get it? More air pressure pushes sand to where there's less, right? But what if you could fucking amplify that, right? I've already said too much. I'm tripping a little bit. Uh, I feel like I'm going to get disappeared because I think the implications of fucking sound waves, right, uh, would turn this fucking money-driven fuel production fucking world on its head, right? which it would, and which is why there probably won't be another episode because I'm going to get fucking thrown off a building, all right? But I don't care because the knowledge needs to be put out there, all right? I'm going to abscond to the woods one day and fucking you motherfuckers are going to come visit me. I'm going to be like, watch this. I'm going to flip a light switch and fucking knock a tree over, right, with sound waves. Anyways, that's what I think Edward Leeds used, right? That's what I think the Egyptians used, where they got that knowledge. I don't really know. That's up for speculation. Um, but anyways, that's what I think. So the Coral Castle is really fucking cool. But I did, okay, and I like this. I did see a documentary. This is, I was thinking about this when we were walking. 
I saw a documentary. It's really amazing. It's one of my favorites called Happy People, right? You've probably seen it. Maybe not. It's a Herzog film, and it's about the leftover hunters from the communist era that were appointed like you're fucking hunter you're gonna go into the fucking taiga which is in siberia like the most untouched woods in the world and you're just gonna be a hunter right but those motherfuckers knew everything about the land and he says he says if you have uh, a hatchet and a wedge you can do anything right and i was thinking about that and i was like damn okay i could see that you know, if you're inching this fucking huge piece of granite, uh, maybe it wouldn't work. But if you figure out how to wedge the shit and then somehow get enough force to push it inch by inch, you could do anything with that shit, right? So, I don't know. I had a bunch of shit running through my mind. Uh, it was really fucking cool. Okay, so, you know what wasn't really cool was... Uh, I don't want to get too much into this, uh, but... The presidential election, okay? So we were on tour while it was going on, and we were actually in Birmingham, Alabama, okay? And I was sitting there, and I was watching all this shit unfold in front of my eyes, right? And I was like, oh, fuck, man. This is, like, like really unexpected, um, pretty scary. You know, for me, I'm sure you've heard on here, but I was scared of both people, so it's like, whatever, I mean... It's no, it's not whatever. It was like, it was really terrifying. So in my mind, I was thinking like, holy shit, there's a lot of people that are tripping out there. There's a lot of people that are scared. There's, my Nana was talking to me and my Nana is this beautiful, angelic, strong, like island woman, like queen. Right. And she was like, she was like, what? Like, I'm like, am I going to get thrown over the border? And I was like, no, Nana, like, it's going to be all good. Um, but I realized like, wow, there's a lot of people that are tripping on it and, and, and I'm one of them. And, and you know what? It's, it's a really, no matter what, and I, and I guess you could say this for any time period, but we are living in a really crazy time where history books, unless they're edited and, and, and using double speak, just fucking rewrite everything. Uh, but if that doesn't happen, if, if history books are true, this is going to be a really big turning point for our country, I think. Uh, whether it's really awful, uh, yeah, I, I think it could be. I'm scared of it. Uh, but you know what? This isn't a political show. I don't want it to be. Uh, I personally am starting to look for land, and I'm going to get a drone, and I'm going to work on sound fucking vibration frequency vibrations in the woods and and block out all of it okay but the one thing that i do want to say is you know what if you're listening to this podcast uh if you know me if you know anybody that's on this podcast right that's been on this podcast this is a art driven podcast okay and i made a statement about this uh because you know what i was like this is super negative everything's really negative a lot of people are scared, angry, pissed off, fucking just questioning this country. And not only this, and, and you know what? Another thing is there's a super right-wing sketchy person in France right now. There's a super right-wing sketchy person in Germany right now. They're, all these people are trying to come into power. And you know what? I was thinking about it and I was like, dude, a lot of people are tripping. I myself am one of them. So I was thinking like, look, this is an art-driven podcast 
I know, like, my world is a bunch of artists. And one thing that, and no, it's not the argument that, oh, there's going to be a lot of good art now. No, fuck that. There's always good art, right? And so what I was thinking was, like, what can I say that's positive, like, out of this shit storm of negativity, right? And I started thinking, you know what? Art is a magical thing. And, 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 and artists and, and art itself have never ever been able like nobody's been able to stomp it out right communism has not been able to stomp it out fucking fascism has not been able to stomp it out fucking capitalism you know where you fucking the first fucking 25 years of being an artist you don't make shit and you're fucking nobody gives a fuck about it the government especially doesn't give a fuck about art you're sleeping on floors you're fucking i remember waking up in san francisco and being like okay i have two dollars in my account if i fuck and i knew this because this has been going on for hell long if i buy two bananas and an apple at the fucking corner store that's 50 cents i can do that twice today you know what i'm saying and look Luckily, I know places that I could get free coffee. So basically what I'm trying to say is that if there is anything that you can look to to get the fuck away from this presidential election, these fucking candidates, the president-elect himself, like, it's art, man. And you know what? The biggest fascist state ever still has fucking guerrilla fucking art strewn across the city right because they can't fucking stop it and if anything hard times and we all know this hard times and oppression fucking literally fuel art man and you know what we've talked about the importance of it on here a lot and i think that now it's more important than ever right and 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 if you've ever thought about fucking maybe trying to dabble in anything, fucking do it. Now's the fucking time, man. And you know what? Like, if you're sitting there and you're not artistic, right? Art can mean anything. If you feel like I'm not artistic, but you're just pissed off about everything right now or sad or scared, fucking write about it, man. Write about it. Write a fucking article that nobody's ever going to see because who fucking cares? You should do art for yourself. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, that's why, you know, and I did get some blowback when I posted, look, like try to remember that art is here for you and it's never been stomped out ever nobody can do that and it's up to the artist to keep it going it's not it's not possible art is has taken on its own fucking identity in the universe and we're here to perpetrate it and we're here to put it on the fucking side of a wall and we're here to say nah man like fuck you if you're racist and fuck you if you're sexist and fuck you if you're homophobic art can be the shining lighthouse in the pitch black open sea of utter fucking bullshit right so if you're feeling like angry and pissed off you know what fucking write it down write a song do whatever you want anything can be art fucking don't even have music and scream into a fucking microphone because it's all good and i guarantee you it'll make you feel better and 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 if you're going to you know what and if you're going to go into it like i'm i'm pissed off i hope people like this just don't fucking do it man just do it for yourself cuz that's where quality art comes from you know so yeah i'm not trying to go on some crazy thing but I do want everybody to know you can send me whatever you want. You can fucking tell me how you feel. Talkfulradio at gmail.com. If you go to talkfulradio.com, there's a little contact me. You know, just fucking do it, man. Like, it's a big, it's a big, we're a big team, right?
and and in this crazy time, right? Uh, now it's time to fucking just be a team together and fucking do whatever you want. And if you have anything to say, send it to me. If I think it's insightful or whatever, I'll talk about it on here. Like, I don't know. It's just really important. And it's, and it's better than stewing by yourself and being like this country and this world sucks because yeah, sure. But you don't have to let it rule you, you know? And What's even better is you can make some really cool shit from it, you know? And some of the best songs I've ever written were when I was fucking sitting in a corner like, damn, everything truly fucking sucks, right? And yeah, a lot of cool shit comes from depression and fucking oppression and all that bullshit. So your boy, that's me in parentheses, your boy, parentheses me, Stephen Lee Clark is here for the team. I love all of you guys. Hit me up. Do whatever you want. Uh, I'm here for the team. That's why they call me the head coach. By they, I mean me because I made that up for myself. I know that's lame, but it's my podcast. It's our podcast. All right. So before we get into an interview with my good dog, Jay Weinberg, who is a really fucking cool person, um, I got some business stuff to talk about. So Facebook, Talkful Radio, uh, Twitter, Talkful Radio, Talkful SLC. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, fucking all that shit, man. And and you know what? Go into iTunes, put in Talkful Radio, download the shit, man, because that's what they look at. And again, you know what? We just talked about the election, all that shit. This will never be tainted by advertising because it's all one big world of shitty things, right? And fucking, and I don't want advertisements. I don't want anybody to call me and say, hey, you can't talk about this because fuck that. So that's why you can go to talkfulradio.com. There's a little donate button and you can help out the podcast, right? Because again, we're a big team here. It's a value for value model. You go to the movies, you go to a fucking football game. That's the best value for me. But you go to a football game, you pay a certain amount of money, right? Because that experience is valuable to you. You listen to this podcast and you fucking laugh maybe once, whatever. You think, oh, that was cool. That was not cool. Whatever. You decide how valuable this podcast is to you. And you can go to TalkfulRadio.com and you can donate. You can donate whatever you want. And all that money goes to improving this fucking podcast. Because this podcast is for the team, the people, all my people, all my dogs, right? That's you. And I'm your dog, right? So yeah, you can go to, again, you can go to iTunes, Stitcher, tune in, download the shit, subscribe to the shit. You can go to talkforradio.com. Again, you can email me on there. You can contact me. Let me know how you're feeling. Send me a fucking song you wrote about fucking Donald Trump or whatever you want, right? You can donate, donate, donate. There's also coffee cups on there. Uh, we got some t-shirts on the way. There's a lot of cool shit. And lastly, there's patreon.com. Uh, I'm on Patreon, Talkful Radio is on Patreon, and that is where you can subscribe to donate monthly, whether it's a dollar, whether it's two dollars, whether it's fucking 250000 a month. You can donate uh, a little bit out of your monthly paycheck to Talkful Radio. And, and again, that's not for me to go fuck around with, it's for the podcast, right? And it's for equipment, 
and it's for just having the time, the availability to do this. Because look, I'm on tour. I'm in the middle of fucking nowhere. And I'm sitting in a dark, scary-ass hotel room. And I'm talking to you because I fucking love this shit. And you know what else I love? You. I fucking love you because we're good friends and we go way back and you let me fucking rant about bullshit and Coro Castle and magic fucking blah, blah, blah. It's ridiculous. I know. But again, this is a listener funded podcast and the best part about donating to Talkful Radio is because like I said, we don't have advertisements, right? We don't have ads. I'm not going to have anybody telling me what to say and what not to say. And the best part is if you donate to Talkful Radio, you are a literal producer. Your fucking college professor says, what do you do when you're not here? Motherfucker, I'm a producer of a podcast, the tight ass podcast that fucking brings people together in this dark ass time. So back up. That's what you tell your professor. If you, if you, if your dad's giving you shit, uh, or your mom's giving you shit, like, what are you doing? You're just living this band life where you don't do shit and sleep on floors. No fool. I'm a producer of a podcast and your name will be in the show notes. And I will say your name at the end of every episode. Because, again, listener-funded, you are an actual producer. It's not like I'm just throwing that term around. You're a producer. And that shit can go on your fucking Facebook. I'm a podcast producer. Damn, that's sick, fool. Uh, you, you can put it on your resume. Yeah, I'm trying to get this job. Uh, right now, you know, I do blah, 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 blah. And I'm a podcast producer. Damn, that's tight, fool. You're hired. So, yeah. There's a lot of cool things about donating and talk for radio. And most of all, my appreciation. I really appreciate it. And the people that listen every fucking two weeks, right? They appreciate it too. So I love you. Stephen Lee Clark, the head coach, the red pill. My kitty is not here right now, but she loves you too. Cause yeah, it's all one big team and we all love each other, especially in this hard time. Look at your friend, look at your brother, look at your sister, look at whoever the fuck it is, and just be like, I love you, you're tight as fuck, right? Okay? So, cool. All right. Well, it is very rare, right, to meet someone that is A, young, B, very accomplished, and then you add those two together, it's super rare to meet a cool person, right? A cool, intelligent human that's been doing really fucking cool shit since they were like fucking what? fucking 15, 16, 17 years old, right? And the perfect example of that is our boy, Jay Weinberg, right? He's lived a crazy, I want to say, I almost said long, but he's super young, like what, 26? It's cool as fuck. He's lived a really cool life. He's done a lot of really cool shit. And you know what? The best part about that is he's still a cool human being, right? So, very, I was very excited. We got to play with Slipknot. He's the drummer of Slipknot, who are fucking amazing, right? Uh, I've loved him since I was 14. And we got to play, and I met Jay a while ago, and I was like, damn, this fool's, A, he's a drummer of Slipknot, but dude, he's cool as fuck. He's very chill. He's very nice human. And, oh, he really likes good shit, right? So, really, when we played with Slipknot, I was like, damn, how is this going to go? And it was just such a wonderful surprise. And we got to hang out with Jay every day. And he was just super cool. So I was really, really fucking excited to get him on here. He has a very good perspective because he's, he's again, we talk about it in the interview, but he's played fucking 20 people basement shows. And he's played fucking thousands and thousands oceans of people shows, right? And that's fucking cool. And again, I know I keep beating this horse, but... He's a really cool dude, and it's really rare to meet someone that's done as much shit as he has, and he has a great outlook on everything. So, 
I'm very pleased to present you with my interview, our Talk Full Radio interview with the coolest fuck, Jay Weinberg. Jay Weinberg, what's up, dude? What's up, man? I'm um, good. This is fucking crazy, uh, cause, like, I don't know. You're you're one of our buds. Like, we hang out at a bunch of festivals and shit, and we actually just played those shows with you. But you're also like, it's fucking crazy that you're the drummer of Slipknot. That's fucking crazy. It that, is. It's, it's crazy to me. Yeah, uh, that's what it, I'm saying. In it's a lot like, of ways. <laughs> yeah, it's so so sick. Cause like for me, um, I I don't know. I just never thought. I don't know. I, I was always a fan of them since I was like 14. And then when like we started talking to each other, I was like, dude, Jay's cool as fuck. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and like, and he like likes good music and shit. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? And then, yeah, it was just like super <laughs> weird. I was just like, oh. And then it was crazy when we played those shows together because I was like, well, first it started off with when we played a festival together, the first time we ever played a festival together. I remember watching, I've talked about this on the podcast too. I remember, I already knew that you were a cool dude and I was like watching you guys play and Corey was like in the middle of the show, he was or in the middle of the set, he was like, started going on this rant about like equality and shit and like, and yeah, like yeah. Slipknot being like a big family, no matter what color you are and like ball and, and like sex you are and like sexual orientation. I was like wait a minute is slipknot like cool ass dudes i was like this is fucking crazy that's cool as fuck and then yeah you yeah. guys like especially when me and you started talking i was like whoa this is like making this band like even better for me i was just like awesome, man that's man. cool as fuck that's rad yeah it's all it uh to me even being you know like an outsider to the band and just a friend who would come and, and hang out it always had that vibe like it always always had that kind of family aspect to it like uh whenever i would show up to a show and just like briefly say what's up to the guys and and stuff like it always had that that just environment of being welcoming and if i brought a friend to the show or whatever they were always like cool and you know asked how we liked the show and stuff like that so even even from when i was a little kid um going to shows and stuff of theirs uh it's always had that that kind of atmosphere. And, and then, you know, a cup like three years ago at this point, when, when we started playing together, it was just, it, it felt as comfortable as it always did. Like just coming in and, and hanging out with those guys, because it, it really is like, um, I don't know. I think it's something about the band's music that strikes a chord with people. That's, um, that's you know a very personal thing, and people and there and there's a lot of people that that share that thing within them, I guess. So so there's like a commonality there, no matter like what my age is and what the age of the rest of the guys in the band is or whatever. Like when when we started playing together, it felt like that family vibe. Like oh, this makes like perfect sense. Yeah, that's um, so cool, man. Like I I think I think that too. Like because we were talking because we did that that tour with Lamb of God and those dudes yeah. in the band are like the coolest guys ever. They were super yeah, nice. Are. All of them really cool. But their fans were like really brutal to us. They were like really <laughs> brutal. Like a lot of them liked us. Like a lot of them were cool. But like yeah. we were like, 
man, this is pretty intense, like getting called like gnarly shit sometimes, you know, and that was like really like new for us. And so we I I mean, especially, you know, me, myself, but I think all of us kind of uh, we like acquainted that to like the size of the band that we were touring with because we were like Lamb right. of God's huge, like all these like different people listening to him and some of those people are fucking dickheads. And so we were like, dude, Slipknot's going to be crazy, like blah, blah, blah. And dude, those shows that we played with you not one thing like everybody was cool as fuck like a huge sea of people nobody talking shit and we were talking about it and and i was like dude what is the difference like and we that's what we thought it was because it was like you guys are always and Corey in the middle of the set is talking about how everybody's cool with each other everybody needs to like everybody's a big family like blah blah blah. and i was just like dude there it is like i was like that's totally it because these people are one of the and and for me, I was like, dude, the fact that he's gonna do that when he there's you guys are so fucking big and you have like just the the mass audience that you guys have to be any in any sort of like just any sort of positivity or like that sort of thing, just uh just uh being conscious of it and you know anything positive is super cool because then you know there's a bunch of meatheads that are like man Corey's cool dude like like i don't hate like blah 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 you know what I'm <laughs> and i'm like that's cool yeah. as fuck man yeah yeah and i think like as it relates to you guys and you know deaf heaven's music and just you know the show that you guys do it's hard to put uh your finger on it and that's that's one thing that i that i love about you guys is that it's uh you know it's not just one thing it's a it's a whole um you know, draw it just draws from so many different emotions, and so it it goes into so many different places. Much like I think uh, Slipknot's music does in a, totally. in a totally different way. But I think I think people that are going to a Slipknot show um, know that it's going to be like a sensory overload of like it, it's going to it's going to take a, it, the audience on a journey, and there's a lot to look at. There, you know, totally. nine guys running around like crazy and and these wild you know visuals and and the drum lifts going up and stuff so there's already kind of a um i guess maybe an expectation of like uh it's a little more avant-garde than a normal rock show there is there is just art there there's there's art clearly there so so i think um having you guys like out with slipknot like that makes perfect sense to at least to me like you know, because because uh, you guys have a different tilt that I think people will watch it and be like, "Oh, I never thought of music in that way before." You know, and that's pretty. That's kind of rad, and I think people definitely uh, like. Because I was watching you guys every night, even though I wish it was longer. I wish it was a longer tour. Oh yeah, um, dude, same. Yeah, three day world tour uh, <laughs> with Slipknot and Def Evans. But yeah, uh, yeah no, I, like every time I, I would. You know, I'd watch the first couple songs before I'd like to warm up for our show. Um, yeah, people were like way into it. Um, yeah, and it I think crazy. they got it like immediately. Yeah, like, yeah. They could, was... they could see, yeah, yeah, they could see like, oh, this makes like perfect sense for this band to be on tour with this band. Yeah, it was so cool. And like the fact that you, like, we would look over and like you were side stage, and there was a point where like Corey and Mick were side stage. And, and yeah. Mick too was like, uh, I don't know, man. The whole time I was like, well, I can't wait to talk to this fool about the Raiders because uh, yeah, yeah. that's cool as fuck that he's into that. Um, but yeah, besides all that, dude, like you, you've just been drumming. Like you've lived this like sick as fuck like drum life, right? Like you, you've been you've been in a bunch of different cool bands. 
just like how did that all happen for you like what was just like the history of you becoming like getting to where you were today yeah um it is a lot and it's all kind of like on paper it looking back on on the lineage of of things that I've been up to over the last bunch of years, like on paper, it makes like no sense at all, (laughs) you know, drawing, drawing, like trying to find commonality between all these different projects and and these different bands. Um, but to me, like it, it does. And it, it's like, um, when it, you know, when it, it really started, I guess, you know, I started late playing drums. Like I, I picked up the drums when I was like 14 Oh, and I wow. talked to guys, I talked to guys who like, you know, they started playing when they were like two years old yeah, and stuff. And, you know, I, I just, I, I just didn't find drums until I was like 14, I guess. Uh, always was a fan of bands and always was going to, you know, going to shows since I was younger, but never like I, I picked up a guitar when I was nine and didn't really like, I took lessons and I made it like school and I hated school. So, yeah, um, dude, same yeah, so I took lessons and it, it like demotivated me. Uh, same with bass, like I took bass lessons and and it totally I was totally uninspired by it. Um, so then when I I picked up the drums because like we had a drum set in our basement. My dad's a drummer, so I was just like noodling around on that. And my dad was like, "Oh, you should like take lessons from the guy, you know, in the next town over, or, or I'll show you stuff or whatever." And I was like, "I just want to play along to." Ramones records, you totally. know, and, yeah, yeah. and, uh, and so I just want to do this for fun and, uh, for myself and never really, never did it with anybody. I never like played music with anybody for, for quite a while, maybe like a year and a half or something. I, I just like played to Ramones records. And, and then when I felt like I could play the live Ramones record, I'd go to like master of puppets or something like that. And, That's sick. And try to, yeah. And like try to just try to play along to music uh that i that i was enjoying and like it was funny because i I had a a disc man and i had a lot of like cds that were like scratched and stuff so they would skip in (laughs) uh in specific spots so like when i would play along to like a ramones record or something like that i knew where it was gonna skip so i'd have to like wait and then come in like when i knew it was gonna come back it's really really funny i don't know if that translates to my drumming nowadays but um (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, so like during high school, then, you know, I found like a guitar player who was in the metal. Um, and I was like, oh, we should start a band. And then he had like two friends, a singer and a bass player. And we started this band. Um, we were, we were a band for like two years and we played two shows. Uh, <laughs> it's like a and, dream uh, band, dude. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, so so we hardly did anything, but we enjoyed like practicing and and just hanging out and eating pizza at my house and stuff like that. That was fun. But and then I and then I started another band in high school that was much more serious with like more serious musicians, and we played a lot. Um, and uh, uh, but that kind of dissolved when we were all going to go to like different colleges and stuff when we graduated, and um, and so that just kind of fizzled out after we did like our first ever like tour quote-unquote tour where um we went down from new jersey i'm from new jersey and like we went down from new jersey to florida and back we were all like 17 you know so that was like a pretty cool opportunity to do that um but uh but then after that i was kind of like i didn't 
I didn't know what I would do. I knew I, I wanted to keep playing drums, but I didn't know what I was going to do. So I started going to school right outside New York in Hoboken, New Jersey. And, uh, and I just looked up like I, on MySpace. I think MySpace was still a thing. In, yeah. yeah, in 2008, I started uh, college. And, um, and I just like looked online for like what, what bands need a drummer in New York. And I, just, I was just like every day just like looking at bands that needed drummers or whatever. Um, and, uh, and I found one called the reveling. They were this punk band in, in New York. Uh, and I joined them and that was cool. Like we played a lot. We practiced a lot. Um, we did, you know, little van tours here and there all in between, like all of us having like, you know, a bunch of the guys had jobs and I was going to f- uh, school full time and, and all that, but we made it happen and that was cool. Um, but like shortly after that, I got asked to play with Bruce because um, my my dad was on the uh, what had just become the Tonight Show, and um, the beginning of the Tonight Show, like the very first episode that they were going to be taping, was going to be like the day after a, a European uh, E Street Band tour was like booked and announced, and like so. In short, my dad had to be in like two places at once. Yeah, and um, and he just couldn't. So they had to like so one side of that had to find uh, somebody to cover for my dad. Either the Tonight Show had to cover for him, or or Bruce had to find somebody to cover for him. And he and I think he had to be at the beginning of the Tonight Show because that was like a big that was a big moment for the for the show that he had been a part of for years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, how old were you so, when this happened? Uh, I was, I just turned 18. Wow. Yeah. I had just turned 18. Um, and so, yeah, so this is in like, we were, I believe we were putting this together around like the holidays, maybe a little after the holidays in like January, 2009, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I was like, I was 18 and, um, and I, I had played one song with them just to kind of say that I did it. Like I'm the, I was the last of all the kids of the guys in the band to get up on stage and play with them. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, just because I was like, I was nervous as fuck. And I, I, you know, what if I mess up a song in front of like 60,000 people, yeah, you yeah. know, when I'm like 17 years old, that's, that would like, it'd uh, be fucking catastrophic. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I played one song with them. Um, with no intent of ever doing it again, just to say that I did it. And, uh, and it was amazing. And, but I think Bruce took that as the idea of like, okay, well, if we've got this situation happening now, he can play one song, like maybe he can play other songs. And, yeah, yeah. uh, and I think that was kind of like the impetus for, um, for kind of testing the waters with me to see if I, if I, uh, would do it or could do it. And, um, and yeah, so that was like that was a huge chance for for Bruce to take, for my dad to take, for the whole band and, and all the people involved to take. And so I'm super super thankful for that like opportunity. Like, yeah, let's fucking see how he does. And I can't. It, I mean, I yeah. can't help but think like for you to take too, because like, dude, I mean, part of me is like, okay, when I was like 17, 18, I was like bombing hills on my skateboard. I didn't know what it was to be scared. But like, yeah. if if it seems like such a crazy age to like get up with Bruce Springsteen, you're fucking 18 years old. And yeah, if you fuck up like at that age, it feels like it could like 
alter your like path in life. Like if you get fucked up, right. someone throws something at you, you're like, I'm not going to do this anymore. You know what I'm saying? Right. So you kind of just yeah. went out and went for it. That's so fucking crazy. Yeah. And I think just being with that group of people, like that's, it's like literally outside of my blood relatives. Like that's like total family to me. Cause I've known all those people since I was a little, little kid being on the side of the stage, listening to them play, you know, murder incorporated 5,000 times, you know? So a lot of, a lot of like learning how to do that show was me subconsciously for years since I was like nine years old, just watching them, um, and absorbing and absorbing what they do. Like I, I, I don't know if I would have, um, been as prepared or have like, such an intimate knowledge of their music if it weren't for me listening to them and watching them like night after night after night after Definitely, night yeah. uh, for, for uh, what almost nine years at that point. Yeah. Um, so that, and, and nine, like really formative years, like age nine to age 18. Like totally. that's, yeah. that's when your, your brain is like a, a big piece of clay, you know? So, yeah. So a lot of my, a lot of my formative music learning experience was like watching that band operate the way they did and, and how hard they worked and how good they were at what they did. So that kind of motivated for motivated me to take a similar approach to what I wanted to do. And then just when it all came together and um, I was asked to fill in for my dad for, um, for a bunch of shows and, and we, um, we did it in a way where I was kind of like slowly introduced to the tour you know, mm-hmm. like, like I played, you know, originally I only played that one song and then it got, uh, it was like, then he'll do two songs at this yeah. show and then like four songs at this show. And then, that, and then it just built and built and built. So, um, so we ended up playing a lot over those couple years and, um, and that was huge for me having, you know, never really played on a, on a big stage ever. Nothing more than, I mean, probably the most people I'd ever played for at that point was like. I don't know, 30 people yeah, on a yeah, good yeah. night, you know, yeah, with my vans in, in high school. That is such a crazy jump, dude, to go from like fucking playing house shows to that. That's fucking crazy, man. Totally. Yeah, but it's yeah, so but, cool that you like by the time that you were what, like 20, 21, you've done both of those things. You played like the the Jersey to Florida fucking house show tour and then you played like something like that. That's so sick. Yeah. And, and, and simultaneously too, like that band, The Reveling, I remember flying – so I did one tour with Bruce um, where I flew from Norway. We finished a European tour, flew from Norway back home, slept for like two hours, and then got picked up in a van by the Reveling. And we drove up to Albany to play Valentine's, wow. uh, this bar in Albany, for like 20 people maybe. And then I flew from there to the Bonnaroo Festival to meet up with the E Street Band there. And I don't even know how many people were at that festival. And then I went from there to Cleveland to play the Legion of Doom house, which is this really rad house in Cleveland with this awesome basement that we're like, you know, apparently like Black Flag and Nirvana played and shit. And and so, and then we played there like the next day. So it was, it was like literally simultaneously, um, you know, it showed, it, it showed me like, like, yeah, it's just as fun. And I get just as much a kick out of playing, you know, this, like the Bonnaroo show as to playing like the Legion of Doom, you know, house show literally the next day. Totally. You know? So, so that was really fun. So to do those simultaneously was rad. 
That's tight, man. That's fucking yeah. That's that's really exciting, dude. So you're yeah. so you're so you're playing with Bruce, and then how did you get from Bruce to uh to against me? How did that happen? Um, well, in in between Bruce and against me uh, was Madball. Oh um, yeah. Oh dude, that, I forgot about that. That's so yeah. <laughs> fucking sick. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that. I knew that the Bruce stuff was coming to an end. Like that wasn't real life, you know, that was (laughs) like suspended in fantasy, you know, but it, but it was an amazing opportunity nonetheless. And I learned so much from it, but, uh, but so that was kind of coming to a close. Um, my dad and I, uh, got the opportunity. We got asked by, um, my friend Frank Zumo and Tommy Lee, they were putting together a show um, for the Guitar Center Drum Off um, in L.A. where they were going to have a lot of different drummers from different backgrounds and different styles of music uh, play just their thing. And it was uh, it was this wild show that they arranged. And they wanted um, – it was cool that they asked because we had never even thought of ever doing this. They wanted my dad and myself to do a performance together. They wanted us to like play, do a double drummer thing. That's cool. And so – Excuse me. So my dad, coming from a completely different generation and style of drumming, we wanted to like showcase his style of drumming, and then where I come from, like you know, punk and hardcore and metal yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so we came up with this idea. We'd play the uh, this song, swing, uh, sing, sing, sing. Uh, you know, the classic uh, swing tune, mm-hmm. and um, and we. Uh, there was a guy there who quantized it to a click so we could play together like tight with the song. And then we would trade like bars of like four and eight and 12 of like soloing and just, you know, going off. And my, my dad would do his style. I'd do my style. And it just kind of like, here's two drummers, father and son, like just doing their thing. And, you know, I, I like drew all over my front kick drum head and, and stuff. And it was really cool. Like that was a really, interesting thing that we did and, and we've never done it since like we we did that one and and we never did it again it, it was sounds kinda... like it sounds like your dad was super cool with like you doing your own thing instead of him being like like i've been doing this for this long like do this do this do this that sounds really exactly cool. yeah oh and, and well it's it's funny they mentioned that because like at the beginning of playing with uh with bruce like we had it out because you know he has um in his own right, like a musical legacy and, and just music that needs to be respected. And this is, this has been an important thing that, that I've kind of carried with my thinking about, um, playing pre-existing music, you know, joining bands that have an existing catalog and, and respecting that, that music for what it is. And so with my dad, um, you know, this is going back to the mid seventies, you know, shit that he's, he's worked on with these guys that means so much to him. So he was like, you're going to play this stuff note for note, exactly what I played on the records and stuff like that. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh my God, this is, I mean, I'm 18 years old and I'm figuring out like what the fuck to do with this. I've been playing drums for three or four years. Um, you know, and, uh, to learn hundreds and hundreds of songs and learning like each note for note hit, Dude. that's a that's a daunting task. Absolutely. So, so like we had it out about like 
was, you know, it got to the point where I was like, fuck you, dad. I'm, you know, I, I'm doing this my own way. Yeah. I'm learning. <laughs> I'm like, I'll learn the songs and the broad strokes of the songs. But like he and I are, are very, very different drummers. So like, yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's hard for me, like, um, to learn just all those specific little nuances and not interpret in it in, in, in my own way. And the thing about for me, like drumming is so like, uh, it's so like just you, everybody has their own style and like your emphasis is always on something that you in your, in your brain thinks right. should be emphasized. You know what I'm saying? So it seems yeah. like drumming for me is like the most fluid and like personal instrument to play. Cause I, I'm the same way with bass. I can, I'll just get up and play whatever you want whatever the band needs me to play, you know, but drumming seems more just like fluid and like personal to me. I don't know. There's there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of nuance there. And like, you know, much like, uh, one guitar, like if you're a guitarist and you like walk up on stage and play Eddie Van Halen's guitar through Eddie Van Halen's rig, you're not, you're still not going to sound like Eddie Van Halen. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's, I feel like it's much, it's much the same with a drummer. Every, every drummer has a unique feel, um, unique way of, of hitting the drums with whatever, you know, uh, strength. And uh, I don't know, it, it, every, every drummer I feel has their own things. And, and that's what makes a drummer stand out is having, having their own thing. Um, but so, so yeah, so that was important to me that like I got down the song so I could literally play a show, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and do it in my own way. And I, and I feel like it worked. It, it was just a different spin on some different songs. And, and I think that especially showed through in, in a couple of Bruce's songs that were like more up tempo, like punk rock kind of songs totally. where I was like, this is my wheelhouse. And, um, this is where I come from. That was, uh, that was really cool. So, uh, and, and it, it just helped me learn, uh, pocket and laying in with a band and I mean with guys who have been playing for 40 fucking years like uh, playing together for 40 years these guys yeah. are you know literally are they're they're my dad's age you know yeah, so yeah. They, <laughs> there's, there's a lot to learn there and so but anyway so that was coming to a close and I knew that I knew that would stop at some point and um and I'm just kind of like simultaneously doing school like I'm at school and I'm figuring out what my next move is going to be like oh you know play with like the rambling and and if there are other bands that i can play with keep you know like keep my keep my eyes open and whatever and um and it was at that time that i met uh well I, i'm sure we had met before through like mutual friends but i met mitz from Mavall, the guitar player in Mavall, and um and he hit me up because he saw the um the drum off thing that i was doing with my dad and he was like hey are there any like drummers out there that that you think might want to play with Madball, like, like we, we need a guy and, and we're about to go on tour soon. So, um, like if, if there's any drummers out there, like, you know, let me know. You're like, fuck I was yeah. like, I was like, fuck yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, totally. So, so yeah. So, um, I got home from that, had an audition with Madball, And then like, I think two weeks later we were like playing shows. Damn. Um, yeah. And, uh, and that was a really wild experience. Like my first, um, my first real tour with them was uh, in Europe. Um, first time I'd ever been on a bus, you know, and that was an amazing experience. And just like traveling with these people and like 
being a fan of, of bands like Terror and Cruel Hand and totally. or out with Death, uh, Death Before Dishonor and stuff. And like that was a that was a wild tour and a lot and tra- traveling to places that I had never um, walked around in Europe and, and just checked out. And yeah, that's cool. Like like you know like checking out Europe for the first time. It's and, the best. And yeah, it's like it's it's really incredible and, and playing this music that we that we love. It was it was really wild. So. Um, so yeah, we played a bunch of shows and then like we got, you know, we got home from that tour and it was, um, it was time for Madball to make a new record. So we went right into like writing a record. Uh Um, and, uh, and all the while I'm like, I'm still doing college. So I'm like doing a full course load of, of schoolwork, uh, while working on this Madball record. Um, like a, a lot, it was like, several days a week and for a long amount of time and and we did it uh recorded that record and we were playing shows but it was kind of becoming clear to me that it just wasn't like a good fit and we you know that, that's okay we just yeah. we just come from like very different uh places and and that you know so it was kind of where i was just feeling i was like well i, I think i'd rather go back to school and um just focus on that and you know again play you know find bands to to play with do my own thing and whatever um and then as that as that was kind of all happening i get um i get a call from uh my friend andrew from against me uh this was like a a couple weeks later even it was like really really kind of in quick succession and he was like hey what are you doing in like a month we uh we need a guy to, to play we're doing these shows we need a guy um do you want to play with us? <laughs> and I was, and I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Cause I was a big fan of against me, uh, growing up as well. And you know, I, I met them, I believe it was at CBGB's. They played CBGB's. Uh, I think it was the first time I'd ever been to CBGB's. I was like right in the front and that show like changed my life, you know, uh, seeing that band, um, in such a historic place, you know? So, um, to get the opportunity to play those songs that were like, so, huge for my development um and just learning about music i was like fuck yeah that'd be that'd be amazing and so it was much the similar thing you know like we we played those first couple shows and it was like fuck yeah this is awesome um and then we just uh we just went on from there uh we did a lot of touring i think that was like the most at that point in my in my life that was like the most touring i had ever done um because we would just like we would bookend like a month and a half long tour straight into another like two month tour yeah that's and, so um, crazy man yeah so we did it we did quite a lot out of that of like straight from this place to this place and then do a bunch of one-off shows here and there and then do another tour and then do another tour. It, was like, it was a lot of uh of playing which was which was amazing that's so cool man like it's it's one thing to like get these opportunities to play uh, for these bands that you really like and shit and that are, are doing really well. And it's another thing to just like, uh, still be like a chill human, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cause that's, uh, <laughs> I know a lot of people that like do a lot less than that and they're fucking annoying and they suck, but that's cool. That's cool. As fuck, <laughs> dude. Like I really like that. Like when you are home, cause you tour yeah. a lot, like even with Slipknot, yeah. you guys have been touring a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. When you're home, yeah. Is that like, is that like, okay, I'm fucking chilling. Like I'm doing absolutely nothing. Or is that, or is that like, I got to stay busy. Like, what do you do when you're at home usually? 
Yeah, it's um, it's kind of a mixture of both. I do enjoy to kind of just relax and do nothing, but uh, I do need to stay busy just for my own sanity. And I have these, you know, I have these ideas that I get kind of like pissed off at myself if I don't facilitate them in some way, you know. Oh, so, yeah, totally. uh, so for for example, like right now on this time off, um, I like kind of, um, I like just setting up. A, like a ridiculous amount of work to do when I get home uh, that has a deadline. So I know I have to do this stuff and I have to stay engaged and, and, uh, and it's stuff that I really enjoy, but it's nice to like, so for instance, I'm, uh, I recently started painting drums for uh, the drum company that I, that I use SJC. Oh, that's uh, cool. I saw so that I, actually. I saw that you were painting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I started painting drums like, it, and that was just an idea out of like, um, years ago when against me, like we were talking about like storing some of our gear at a backline company overseas. Cause we were going to Europe so often. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, fuck, okay. So I could like, instead of buying a whole kit with like a nice finish on it, that would be more expensive and all that. I was like, why don't I go to SJC? I'll go to their warehouse. I'll paint my own drum set. Like I'll just do it myself and then they'll put on the hardware and then they'll ship it over with a bunch of backline stuff that they're already doing. And that was just a way for like, for me and us to like save money doing it. And, um, and so I did that and I really liked like painting drums. It was like a fun canvas to kind of work on. So, uh, so recently maybe like, I don't know, like a, not even a year ago I had the idea and I, and I can like just talk to the owner. I could just hit up the owner, Mike up and just be like, Hey, I want to paint drums and, and uh, let's like get these out to kids. See if if any kid would want like a drum that I would paint. Let's just get this out there and, and see if if somebody would want it. So uh, we did that, and the last one we did sold within a minute. Yeah, you know, that's like sick. of it being announced. So that was really that was really exciting. So so now we're like we're like okay, yeah, let's do a whole bunch of drums. So uh, so they sent me four drums that I just finished painting uh, last night. Um, I, I got roped in to do, uh, so living in Nashville now, um, my friend Sarah got me involved with this show called Athens of the South, uh, which is, I guess, this nickname that, that Nashville got years and years ago. That's why we have the, uh, the Parthenon. Uh, oh, dude, that's here. so sick. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's cool. It's an opportunity for me to like look into the history of Nashville and like, and what brought us here what what uh you know what's special about this city that i might not realize like the history of this city so i'm doing a piece uh based off of that kind of mindset that mentality um so i have the four snare drums that thing and i'm also starting this new music project which is really exciting um where i'm not i'm not even playing drums i'm playing uh guitar that's awesome and uh and yeah it's based on stuff that like i've been I, I write a lot of stuff that I don't, I just don't know what to do with. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I've just been stockpiling little like basic song arrangements and, and riff ideas. Uh, but it's always been just me and I've never shared it with anybody. But now, um, now that I'm in this community of like really interesting people down in Nashville, like this, the, the scenes here of people who are just into, being in 10 different bands, you know, and, and people have these like diverse musical tastes. 
I get, you know, I'm like, okay, so this guy plays drums and he's awesome. He has a bassist friend. My friend that sings and plays guitar just like moved into town. Why don't we all get together and like see if any of this stuff like makes sense in a band setting? Yeah, that's and cool. so like, so, yeah, so we like literally just had our first band like quote unquote rehearsal like practice going through some of this stuff and it's fucking rad like i'm really really excited about it and um and so that'll uh you know possibly if we can record some stuff and release it uh soon and maybe you know start playing locally maybe in the beginning of next year or something like that like that would be really rad but we've got all these ideas um i mean it's just exciting for me to like do something i've never done before like i've never played guitar yeah, in front yeah. of in front of literally anybody like yeah. i've never played guitar in front of anybody so the opportunity to just do that and and prove to myself that i can do it like that's a lot of what um i got that out of playing drums originally like uh i want to prove to myself that i can do this like doing the bruce stuff was a huge thing um yes in service to the band and to Bruce and the fans of Bruce's music, but like also to myself, like I want to prove to myself that I can do this, that this is something that I can like overcome and I can achieve this. Yeah. And um, that, I mean, that's important, man. Like you do, you, you do things for other people, like their fans, blah, blah, blah. But like, if you don't push yourself, like that's going to be it. You're just going to stop. Yeah. 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 So, so that's like an, an exciting thing to kind of line up a challenge and see if you can meet that challenge and, and those kind of like artistic expectations you might, like hold of yourself. Uh, so that, so that's a really exciting thing to, to kind of start doing. And I would love to just like play a house show where I'm playing guitar. I'm not playing drums. I'm completely out of my comfort zone. That's cool. But, um, but yeah, so, so like we just had our first practice the other night and even and like, yeah, it was sick. I'm really, really excited about it. So, um, but that's literally, I've had, one week at home and I have like three days until I leave for tour. Yeah. So between like doing basically like five paintings, starting a music project, trying to kind of just recover from tour and then go out for another five weeks. Like, yeah, that's, that's kind of, I don't know. I I like to, I, I do like to keep busy and, and especially just with like these things that are a challenge to me and, and just proving like, Yes, I did do that. That's 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 fun. I totally understand you. I have a friend that's moving to New York in November and he was like, Hey dude, like do you know anybody that would want to drum in this band? And I was like, I'll do it. And they're nice. just like and I'm the same way. Like I played drums in practice space, like had a lot of fun yeah. by myself. Uh never played in front of anybody. So I'm just like, Yeah, yeah let's fucking do it. Like let's just let's yeah. just go for it, man. Like I'm I'm big on that. Like like proving it to myself, but like like also in like a comically way, like a comical way, like, well, like I'm just gonna see what happens. Like shit, this could be crazy. <laughs> and yeah, it, totally. And it usually works out when you do that. Yeah. I did want to yeah. ask you about the painting because, like, I've okay. seen your painting, your your paintings. Yeah. Uh, you told me that you're going to do a show in L.A. like some yeah. sometime in the future, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And dude, the paintings are like when I like I had already known you, and then I saw you like post a picture of your painting. I was like, Jesus Christ, dude! Like, <laughs> it's like it's crazy. It's really it's like realistic and like fucking the the lighting and the, I mean I don't know much about painting, but I was just like, holy shit! Like, that's I don't know. That's like a crazy skill, dude, to be able to like reproduce like an image like that. How did you Thanks. get going that's... with that? Was that like, did you go to? Is that what you went? To school? What did you go to school for? 
I, I actually went to school for nothing artistic at all. I went to uh, I went to the business um, the business school inside like a tech school. Uh, oh, wow. I went to uh, Stevens Institute of Technology, uh, and so I went. But I studied um, my major was business and technology. So it's like Crazy. basically a basically a business degree um, with like a technology kind of tilt to it. So we d- we dealt with like some kind of computer. Um, stuff and uh, and my concentration was marketing and it was really cool because I I got to um, and this actually segues right into me painting and stuff. It got me to um, focus my studies on things that I was interested in. So whereas some people would be like, oh, I'm going to focus on how to market like um, a car that's powered by water or something yeah, like yeah. that. Like <laughs> like you know people. People that are, are using technology, but to find like cool things, but it's like, yeah, obviously that's cool. Like we would love a car that was like powered on, you know, uh, whatever. But, uh, so whereas some people were, were investigating that I was like, I'm going to take this project assignment or whatever and make it geared towards the arts and, yeah. and stuff geared, geared towards music. Cause I, I told them. I mean, two months into me starting college, I got asked to play with Bruce and, and it was kind of posed to me. Like I, I told them, I was like, look, I, I have this crazy, ridiculous opportunity. Um, I got to go for this and I want to do school simultaneously. I want to do, um, school and play with Bruce. But like, if you're going to make me choose one over the other, like I, I'm going to, leave school yeah. and this crazy thing and i hope you understand that and they're like hey cool do both like if you can do both if you can keep up with the course load and all that do it and so i did do it and and that helped me keep my like it was a lot of work but like i kept my feet kind of planted in music and art and uh and school so all my classes i would find a way to investigate like uh, you know, if I had a macroeconomic or a microeconomics class, I'd be like, what are the microeconomics of like running an art gallery, yeah. you know, or like running, yeah, running a, a boutique art shop or something like that. Um, and, uh, and stuff like that and, and how to market something like that. And, and just like interesting things that I would find out. Um, and I learned a lot by being so close to New York. Like, uh, so you're in Brooklyn, like, so, uh, the cotton candy machine, is a it's a boutique place. It's run by uh, Sean Leonard and Tara McPherson. It was really they had a they had one spot that I would go to all the time. Uh, since I moved away, they've moved into a different space. But I was at their shop like several times a week uh-huh. and just like just learning about what they did because they they got together this like collective of really interesting artists that I was like so excited about. Um, David Cook, Eric Roper. Um, Selden Hunt and like uh, the, the list is like fucking endless um, just like artists that were really interesting and they would put on shows you could like meet the artists that would be filling a wall with his stuff that's how I met like David Cook he's like one of my favorite artists and that's how I met him and became friends with him mm-hmm. and so being surrounded by like all this artwork and and finding a way to kind of like base my school studies into something that I was interested in um, that made me kind of be like, fuck, I've always, and I, and I drew, I drew as like a kid and I, I took like art classes in, in high school and stuff and really enjoyed it, but didn't really pursue it as something that I took really seriously. Cause it was right around then I started taking drums really seriously mm-hmm. and just playing drums and going to shows was just my entire life. I mean, 
I I did nothing but practice drums uh, when I was in high school. So um, now that I've got this kind of like this ability to focus on visual art, I was like, man, I want to I want to take a stab at this myself. And I by chance met an artist uh, through this art crawl in Hoboken, just where I was going to all these different. Um, Arts, you know, artist studios. They just open their studios, and you ju- can just meet them and check out their work. Um, so in Hoboken, where I was living, uh, I met this lady named Michelle Dahl, and she's this incredible. I mean, she, her her talent is insane. Um, she's an oil painter, mm-hmm. and I I had never painted with oils in my life, but uh, being a fan of of oil paintings and seeing her work, I was like, wow. I, that looks like a skill set that I I would love to to introduce that just into my life and see what yeah. like what would I what would I do with that kind of skill set what would I do with um, with making that what kind of imagery could I make doing that and so uh, she had like a tear off thing like hey if you want to take lessons with me like tear off my phone number and so I got in touch with her and we started taking lessons together I would take uh, live painting classes with her and. Uh, do some one-on-one schooling with her. So, so like looking at anatomy in a certain way where it's just, you know, we're all just kind of a collection of shapes. Like your hand isn't a hand. It's a collection of squares and circles and, and, you know, just like basic anatomy kind of things. Um, and so Michelle was a huge proponent of me finding out what I wanted to do. And she would like, she would sit me down like, okay, we're going to paint spheres. We're going to paint a bottle. We're going to paint, um, you know, this figure that's in front of you and stuff like that. But then, then I kind of came to her with like, okay, what if I set up a scene in my head, if I have this idea and I like, if I want to paint from a photo, like take a photo that I would set up a whole scene and then, uh, do a a painterly representation of that or like a, a painting, you know, realize that photo in a painting because it, it just takes on a different character to it that a, that a photograph just like doesn't have because you can you can manipulate it you can do all sorts of fucking totally. things to it you know uh and make it like a photo i feel you know I, i'm drawn to a lot of photographers in that like you can capture a lot of great emotion but i feel like if you do it in a painterly way you can hone in on that particular emotion like that much more um yeah so so that's kind of what i wanted to i wanted to do that again to kind of like show myself that i could do that and like here's an idea i had in my head and now it's like on my wall like yeah that's so see that's that's what's so cool to me i mean about all art and, and and things even like i mean just like the notion in your mind and I'm a big believer that like something does not exist, and then when it's when it comes in your mind, it enters the universe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, when it comes in your totally. brain, it exists somewhere in the universe, and then totally. and then the artist's job is to make that exist physically in real life. Yeah. And yeah. I've always thought the cool thing about painting too is you're taking like you're talking about taking the scene from a photo or you're setting up a scene and 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 then the painting itself is like that scene that photo filtered through like you like your personality yes. like your past experiences like your emphasis on what you think is cool what you think is pretty in that in that scene and yeah. that's so sick to me like that's so cool to me the the 
the thought of like a visual representation of like what like what you represented when you looked at that photo or, or you know, right whatever. yeah yeah because I'm, I'm not a photographer by any means but i can like i have i can have like an idea in my head and if i you know if i do a scene with like a model who's usually someone that's close to me or something i can set it up and have it kind of represented in my head and then when i go to to paint it and i use the photo as a reference i can I can tap into like, okay, I want to make this look more fucked up because this thing makes me feel more fucked up. Um, And that's, uh, you know, so that's what I've been trying to accomplish with that. And I mean, albeit in the last three years, I've been so concentrated on just what, uh, what Slipknot is doing. Cause Mm -hmm. we've been on tour. We've been on tour almost constantly for the last like two years. And then in in addition, in addition with the record we made, that's kept us busy for the last like three years. So and I just started oil painting four years ago. Uh-huh. Um, so it's a lot of touch and go with me trying to fit it in, you know, um, with my time off and and make sure because like when I when I start a painting, it's hard for me to like sleep when I when it's not finished, you know. And totally, and I've tried to be I've tried to be better of walking away from something and not like. I used to be that kind of like I will literally not sleep until I finish this painting. Like it's, I, I I'm now a little bit better with with walking away and letting it exist, kind of like halfway done, but and then I leave for tour. But it's still in the back of my mind, and I get like pissed off at myself that it's not finished. Absolutely, um, and you're like a different person when you get back, even if it's a little bit like not even too long of a time. You know, it's like totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so, but. Um, but I really enjoy doing it. And Michelle has been in a way kind of like my training wheels that like are coming off now that I'm, you know, I'm living down in Nashville and, and I'm just like, I still have these ideas and like a a thing will pop into my head and I kind of let it, uh, let it sit with me. And then I'm like, fuck yeah, that would be a rad painting. Let me figure out a way to do this. And then when I get home, I do it. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to hopefully, I've done little shows here and there. Like I recently did one in Nashville um, with my friend story uh, where I just took all the stuff that I had in storage mm-hmm. and, and just put it all up against a wall. And just, that was actually my first time looking at my own work in like a row. And it was interesting. Cause it was like, it's all stuff that I've meant to do a show with, but this is an interesting opportunity to kind of like actually see it all up together just because I don't have enough wall space to look at it all yeah, yeah. <laughs> at once. Um, and, uh, and it got me to realizing I'm like, okay, this is all like rad, but I, I see in my progression of like going from this piece to this piece and this piece, it's like there, there needs to be more of like a common thread and aesthetic between it it seemed even to me like a little disjointed so so that in my work like that i'm kind of conceptualizing now to hopefully do a show a year from now or Mm -hmm. so i'm hoping to tap into like okay this work will be more cohesive with a more um just kind of uh i don't know a kind of narrative that makes sense that's that's personal to me but but it like just the character on the wall will will seem to kind of fit together. Better. Yeah, it's like it's I like don't, I don't seven, know. eight, or nine songs of the same album. You know, it's the same exactly. Thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to make sure it all works together, and it, and it makes and it can all it can draw from all different things. But like, if it doesn't make a cohesive work, it's not gonna like 
draw somebody in to kind of uh, become a little part of your your world that you're creating because you want to create like this sensory experience of and that's when I go to shows of like artists that I really like you're just immersed into this world of cohesive work totally that that uh you know like I you know I went to a, a Thomas Hooper show he's one of my favorite artists and and uh and you go into his it's like his universe is just like it, it it expands your brain into thinking about like I never thought of art this way I never thought of of a visual thing that looks like this and, and you, you get lost in each little piece. So, so, um, so yeah, once I have the time, cause right now I only have like, I'm, I get home from a tour and then I have a week at home and then I leave again. So it's, it's a little tough to, to do. And, you know, I try to keep my chops up while I'm, while I'm actually on tour, just sketching and stuff. But, uh, but when I when I have the time, I believe in the new year I'll have I'll have some time to really devote to just banging out all this like new art and these ideas that are just like because that's another thing cause it, it like it weighs down my brain when I have Absolutely. like all these all these ideas that are just not on a canvas yet. Totally. It, like it um, it gets it, it it weighs a lot. So so I'm really looking forward to like having the time to kind of shed all of that. You How know, do you deal with that sort of thing? Because like this, I relate to that a lot because there was a time yeah. for me when, you know, all my other bands went away. Deaf Heaven was like my one thing that I was doing. And I was like, let's fucking go on tour, man. Let's fucking go on tour. I'll tour forever. I don't give a shit. And then I started Field yep. Agent, which is the same sort of thing. Like it's only me. I really love it. And like, uh, and, and I just get the ideas by myself. And if I'm not finished with something like it bothers me and all this shit. And, yeah. and, and then the podcast, that was the first time that I was ever like, fuck man, like I don't want to leave, you know what I'm saying? Right. Or, or like, or like, okay, I'm leaving for a month, but I want to be home after that for fucking more than a week. You know, right. how do you deal yeah. with that sort of thing? Is like, is, do you try to just like keep these, like, well, you said you sketch, like you draw your stuff on, on, on tour a lot. Is that yeah. like a big part of it? Yeah, I try to because, and and again, it's a balance thing because a lot of my day, like you probably saw like when we were on tour for a little bit, like I have little pockets throughout the day where I can kind of relax and, and just, just be a person. But, uh, but then when it comes time to like four o'clock or something, I'm getting sticks in my hands and I, and I warm up for a Slipknot show for like a couple hours. Like, yeah. I, I, I noticed that you warm up for a long time. I mean, you play for like two hours. That's fucking Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so I like I like to go on stage with like you know my blood already hot and and I and I totally. can walk out and and just do my thing. But um, so a lot of when I'm on tour with Slipknot is just de- devoted to the show. Um, on a day off though, like if I'm in an interesting city with like some cool architecture, I'll like sit down on like on a bench or something and like just break out a sketchbook and draw a statue. Like statues are great for for figuring out how to like draw form and stuff. And that was, that was a recommendation from a friend of mine. Like, dude, just go out and draw statues. Cause it's literally like having a model that doesn't need to take like a pose break. Totally. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it's you get, you get your, yeah, you get the whole, you get dimension, you get the turning of light, you get, yeah. um, you know, space and, and all that. And, and, um, what do you call it? Perspective and, uh, fucking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All that. So, so that's, uh, rad. And, and it's, I mean, I just, I can't bring like a whole oil painting kit with me yeah, on yeah. tour. Cause yeah, that'd yeah. be super annoying for everybody yeah. else that I was traveling with. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and uh, and yeah, so I just keep a little kit with me, and um, and it's also kind of to me, it's like the shaking up of a bottle because like I'll go on tour, and any day off, I try to check out some kind of art stuff, like check out a museum or or a park or something like that, and it just it just makes me go crazy with like ideas. So then when I get home, hopefully, um, you know, even though I have a limited time off, I can like just go with rampant with these ideas that I've collected on tour. And, um, and I'll write like little notes on my, on my phone. Like when something just pops into my head, like, like girl with weed whacker (laughs) neck or something like that, you know, like, like weird, weird stuff like that. That's just like an image that will, uh, evoke some kind of like emotion or a response or something. And then I'll like think about that and then I'll set up the scene and actually like do it. Totally. Uh, and paint and paint it. So, um, uh, I forget what the question was, but yeah, like that, uh, well, yeah, it's just like how you, how you balance that, like having all this cool oh, stuff that you do at home and like being gone so much. I, I try to just kind of have it all feed into each other. Like, um, so say with this new music project, um, like I want to get heavy with the art side of it and just like really into that and maybe do like live moving visuals and have a projector and shit like that. Cause, um, cause I love when bands do it and do it well and do it with like their own aesthetic and their own approach to it. So like that could be, that could be cool. And I, and when I get my brain going there, I'll be working on music like instrumentation and then I'll get like bored with that and I'll want to put that down and that, but I still want to be creative. So I'll be like, okay, now I'm going to paint stuff and, and so I, I kind of, I try to keep the momentum going to where, uh, if I'm bored painting or I feel like I'm getting frustrated, uh, with it, I can then just stop and be like, Oh, I haven't picked up my guitar in a while. I wonder totally. what I would come, I wonder what I would come up with. Like now that I haven't picked up my guitar in like a week, yeah. what would I make now? And, um, and then I'll, you know, go to my practice space and, and practice like, a slipknot set or something like that. So I, I try to keep it. I mean, I, you know, my time off, I, I, I try to hang out with, with people and friends and stuff in town, but I think most of my time off, I kind of spend it like in my own little world and, uh, and just try to focus on like getting these things done. Cause it's a source of, of like, I did that. And, and when I don't do it and when I don't get it done, then I kind of feel bad like i'm being an irresponsible uh you know artist or guitarist yeah. or yeah. drummer or whatever so so i like to do things because it just keeps me from thinking like you should be doing things you know yeah, yeah, like, yeah. absolutely yeah. dude I'm, I'm the exact same way man yeah well uh shit dude that's fucking cool what, what do you have like I mean, I know you have so much shit coming up in the future. What do you got going on? Yeah, uh, so let's see. the The next month is going to be uh, busy with Slipknot. We go and do. Uh, let's. I think in three days I leave for uh, Mexico. We're doing Not Fest in Mexico. Cool. Uh, which will be really exciting. That we did the first ever Slipknot show in Mexico last December. Wow. Uh, so we're we're going back in you know less than a year from that time and it was just incredible like they're so sick dude like like the shows that we played in mexico yeah where did you guys play oh we played a festival it was like a giant corona capital and it was so sick like everybody there was 
like I don't know. They just go on another level. Yeah. Man. How is South America for you guys? Like, was oh, it dude. totally insane. Oh man! Like besides. The shows are amazing. Like yeah. all the shows are amazing. Santiago Chile is like my favorite place I've ever been. Yeah, we yeah we played there. Um, what did I check out there? Um, fuck, I remember I remember going on a really interesting hike with uh, with like a friend of mine that was traveling with us. That's um, what I did when I was there. I, I, I think I it went was on a hike. Yeah, it was like it was, there was some like cemetery. I want to say it was like a cemetery on a hill that was just really interesting to look at. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was amazing. We played Santiago with Sepultura. Whoa, um, that's so crazy! Uh, oh my god, it was it was incredible. And I remember that show. We didn't have our pyro. We were uh, we were usually using pyro in our shows, but for that show, we didn't use our pyro. Uh, but the crowd brought their own, and oh they were like literally, god. like literally in in an arena, like lighting like huge flares yeah. and doing like circle pits around them. Wow. And, uh, and yeah, and I had never been down to South America before. So like one thing that I noticed that I've never seen or heard anywhere else is that people sing the riff. Yeah, dude, that's they, what I waited for us too. Yeah. It's amazing. So funny. It was so Isn't sick. It incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was so cool. Santiago yeah, yeah. was very, was a very special place for me. Like, I don't know. I just had, besides the show being amazing, I booked a, uh, a hike in the Andes to go to yeah, this yeah. glacier. And I was like, I want to see a glacier, man. Like I heard it's crazy. And this dude picked yep. me up and I was like, where is everybody? And he was like, it's just me and you, man. And I was like, dude, fuck yeah. yeah. And we did this yeah. gnarly. I don't know what I was thinking, but I like looked at the website and it was like the hardest one by far. And I was like, ah, fuck yeah. it, let's do that one. <laughs> and I was just like, nice. whoa, this is crazy. It was great. It was, yeah. it was sick yeah. as fuck. We like broke some That's record. Awesome. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, speaking of architecture, man, like Chile had this like brutalist architecture that was so sick. It was just all like style out the window. Everybody was yeah. scared of getting bombed at the time. And they just right. built these gnarly concrete, cool ass yeah. structures. I was like, man, this is amazing, dude. It was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I trip out a lot about architecture, like on the road, um, Me too. just being in, being in different places. And like, you go, you go around enough and like, you've been in Germany enough where you're like, Oh, this is like, clearly this is like a German building, you know? Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and like you start, you start to kind of notice those things. Like I love architecture in old cities, like uh, like in uh, Salzburg, Austria, mm -hmm. with some of the uh, most incredible architecture I've ever seen in my life. And and you just like happen upon where like Beethoven and Salzburg exactly. were like originally buried. Like they've they've like since been moved or whatever. But it was like holy shit! I'm just walking around and yeah, I know, man. and and I happen upon this like. Yeah, so that that's one of my favorite aspects of touring aside from playing shows is um like dude in Rio, so this was my first trip ever to South America and we did the Rock in Rio festival. Uh -huh. Um which parenthetically was something really cool like I get to kind of share this with uh with my dad because um like they played the Rock in Rio festival like 2 years before we did. Oh, wow. And so like it's really cool to have that kind of like relationship with him where like we can as a father and son like relate to like oh what was it like when you played Rock in Rio like yeah, two that's years cool ago. As fuck. This is, like this is what we did, you know, and it, it's just it, that's that's a wild thing that like that was another one of those kind of moments that we got to kind of bond on. But um but like I went, I went down to Rio, and um, and Ben from Title Fight was there. Oh, he was sick. like, he they had just finished up a South American tour, and he was just like hanging out in Rio. 
And he was like, dude, are you in Rio? I was like, yeah. And, and so we met each other like the day I, I like got there and literally in one day we like went to the Cristo monument. Mm -hmm. We went to like a bunch of like hidden beaches, like had coconuts that were cut open with machetes Yeah, yeah, and went to, uh, went to a football match that, that night. And it was just like, this is the most inside. I, I live for doing things on tour like that. Like yeah, that's too, my man. favorite. It's such an incredible opportunity to like see the world and, and just, uh, you know, like, wow, I would, I would never see this in New Jersey or, know, you know, yeah. or whatever. And, and I love going home. Like, you know, I think, I think going around the world, uh, in the way that, that bands like yours and ours do, like, um, it makes us appreciate the, the things that we do have at home. Totally. Um, you know, so like I, I appreciate like uh, just that, and now that I'm living in a new place that I've only been in for a year, like I, it and I, I but I haven't been here very much. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, it, it makes me appreciate going uh, going home and I can enjoy this. And then when I get bored of this, I go out and like check crazy shit out like Rio. Um, but yeah, so coming up, we're doing uh, not fest in Mexico and it's a lot of traveling. We go from there to uh, Lima, Peru, to Bogota, Colombia to uh, New Zealand and Australia with Lamb of God, mm. to Taiwan, to Knotfest Tokyo. Wow. Um, and Knotfest Tokyo is two nights. Um, and that'll be, that'll be really exciting. And I'm planning on going from there, from Tokyo to London, to take part of the London drum show. Um, oh, again, I'll, again, I'll be painting. And this, this is another example of just like, I like lining up things for like, well, that's going to be totally crazy to do like literally the second time I've done a lap around the uh, like planet earth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and you know, go from Tokyo to London and, uh, paint drums, like do a, uh, we did it before we did it once in Nashville before the start of a Slipknot tour. Um, where like we announced, I'll be like painting drums or I'll be painting a drum at this coffee shop and just like come and hang out and, um, you know, ask questions if you want or whatever. And, uh, and so we did that. We made a really rad event out of it, um, at a coffee shop in Nashville. So we're going to do like that kind of same thing in London and, uh, it's part of the London drum show. So I might like do a performance or something there. Um, and then I'm home in mid November. Uh, and, um, by that time, uh, I could like, you know, jump into, uh, this project where I'm like playing guitar and, oh, yeah. and write, write some more stuff. Hopefully, like, hopefully we'll be able to make, maybe record something in town just to kind of get stuff, like just get our ideas on paper, um, like playing together. Cause right now I just have like garage band demos of my ideas. Um, but I'd like to flesh it out. Cause I've, my, my idea with this is like, I've brought these arrangements and these kind of ideas as far as I alone can bring them like i'm not a yeah, singer. yeah totally I, i'm not i'm not a singer i can't do this like this whole thing by myself so i wanted to get these people who i like i like their talents and i like their approach to stuff so it's like get kaylee to to sing and play guitar on this stuff because i like what she does and maybe she can bring a whole new element to this and it's a way for like it's cool because it for me it's like coming down from like crazy metal band stuff to like fuzzed out weird you know it's like you know the stuff that i that i listen to all the time like you know true widow and chelsea wolf and you know catherine catherine wheel and my bloody valentine and shit like that it's my way to tap into that stuff that i really like and it's a way for for my friend kaylee 
to like kind of come up in volume from like doing singer songwriter things and like get fuzzed out and like yeah. and do some some like heavier stuff for her. So it's a really interesting thing that I'm I'm hoping to flesh out when I get home from that and you know possibly hesitation wounds could do some more stuff. Yeah, That'd be really yeah, exciting. Yeah. With Jeremy, um, right? Yeah, that's that's uh Jeremy Naraj from HopeCon and uh Steve who used to play and trap them. Oh cool. Um, that's a really fun, exciting project that's like we we would we would love to do more than than we're able to really because yeah. just we're we're all so busy. Like um I've been ridiculously busy with Slipknot. Jeremy's been so busy with Touche. Uh Naraj is a school teacher and Steven like just had his first child. Um wow. so there's a lot there. Um but you know, we we made a full length that we have we put out a couple months ago on six one three one, but we haven't we haven't played any shows in support of that. So yeah, yeah. it'd be it'd be cool to, it'd be cool to, to dive into that. We'll see if we if we can do anything. But um but yeah, so it's to me I, I like to kind of have my uh I seem to nowadays be kind of planned out like I'm already figuring out what February I and know. March are gonna be like next year. <laughs> yeah, you know? Like, I know, man. It's crazy. It's crazy to live like that, dude, because I'm I'm the same way and I try to figure out like what are the windows that I'll have from now till like fucking March to where right. I can do anything. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Like, yeah. And, and and you kinda like just gotta like bide your time and wait and like like you said, I write ideas down, same thing. I'll like beat yeah. I'll like make a beat with my with like my voice into my yeah. recording and then and then try to work it on the octatrack. It's fucking crazy. Totally. Oh yeah, no, I know I know exactly what you're talking about. Um yeah, and then and then, you know, fitting in time there to just like also just like be a person and like I wanna come, you know, back up to the East Coast and just hang out and uh, you know, spend time in New York and New Jersey and um like uh you know, I have like a couple plans of like I might go to Portland to see Neurosis play and yeah, shit like cool. that. So, so yeah, so you know, um, I just try to balance it with like staying really creative and um, and and getting stuff off my off my chest onto a canvas or into a song, but also balance that with like also being you know being a 26 year old and just like going out and and kind of living my life and taking in inspiration from all these different things so totally. um so yeah it's a cool like it's it's been a really busy but cool couple of years and i'm just kind of hoping to push the momentum into into the next couple of years you know absolutely man well yeah. dude i mean i'm super uh happy and thankful that you took the time to just chill and talk to me for a little bit that's fucking absolutely awesome, man. man yeah no yeah it's an honor but yeah, dude, Jay, like, I really appreciate it. Dude, anytime you're here, let me know. I'll, I mean, if you're in Jersey, let me know. I'm down to come out and kick it. I will. Fucking, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Hopefully, like, I go back and forth to LA kind of a lot, too. So hopefully I'll be yeah. around when your, when your art show happens. I want to see that. Yeah, that'd be really cool. That's hopefully, like, uh, the guy that I'm talking to about doing it in his, in, in his space, we're talking about possibly, like, this time next year cool uh yeah, which yeah. i think would be i think could be really cool and that again that sets like a deadline for me to when i get home really just like kick ass on i'd like i'd love to do i don't know between like 15 and 20 new pieces of art to uh to show in in a show um and yeah just like being friends with so many people in the in the artistic community out in la and um and I'm starting to kind of put down roots here with with Nashville. Like I want to I, I did yeah, I, I just kinda wanna uh 
do something out there and get together with all my friends that are out there and just kind of like have a big party and and show off some stuff that I've been been up to lately like that'd be really rad yeah fuck yeah man hopefully I mean I'm sure I'll I'm, I'm in LA a lot so hopefully I'll be yeah. there well dude thank you so much man I really I really appreciate you doing this man that's fucking oh, thank awesome you. dude I know how busy thank you yeah, I know how busy you are. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you're one of the fools that I was just like, yeah, I'm sure I'll see you like somewhere randomly in the world. So For sure. Yeah, as, as it goes. Yeah, which will be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks a lot, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Later. Later, man. So that was Jay Weinberg. It was a fucking pleasure to sit down with them. It was really cool to talk to him. It was really cool to play shows with them. And again, I've said this before, but a weird side effect that I wasn't really ready for was just learning the cool stories uh, of people's lives uh, that we have on this podcast. And it was really awesome. So thanks for listening to the interview. And today's producers are a few familiar names. We have Muhammad Abbasi from Atlanta, Georgia. We have Nate Berger from Sacramento, California. And we have Victoria Pelham from Brooklyn, New York. So to you, I really, we all really appreciate it from TFR, Talk for Radio. We fucking love you. Uh, I love all of you. Again, hug the person next to you. Tell them how much you love them. It's a crazy time in history, okay? Uh, and now is a great time to just start embracing each other. And we can all come together if you want. We can all come together around Talkful Radio and just talk it out, you know? So to our producers, thank you so much. To our listeners, thank you so fucking much. And today, I'm going to leave you with one of Jay's bands. And they're called Hesitation Wounds. And this is Operatic. Thanks. I love you. Peace.